Transformation to strafing mode complete. Power supply at 98%. Output set at 6800. Target point error correction complete. Strafing output section reporting no problems. Well, General, strafing preparations are now complete. Very well, you may commence the countdown. Commence final countdown! Roger. Counting down to firing. Ten. Nine. I looked around like you ordered, boss, but I couldn't find anyone matching the description. Is that so? Then that's good enough. Sorry to waste your time. Don't forget that you're my client, boss. You're free to use me as you please. You know, maybe I have something that'll make up for it. You should watch this too. What is it? Something I think you're going to enjoy. Time until Trans Am startup. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Commence strafing. Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that's given Double O a try. My name is Jeremy. I, too, had a complicated college relationship with my co-high that ended tragically because we were both too good at our jobs. I'm Tyler. My name is Zach. Today we are watching episode 35 of Gundam Double O, episode 10 of part 2? Episode 10 of part 2, Light of Heaven. Oh, I get what that's a reference to now. I didn't. It didn't even occur to me watching the episode. Wow. Yeah, if it was Zaf, they would have done some cool Germanic stuff. Yep. It would have been Zeus's thunder. Zeus. Zeus yeah, <laughs> yeah Zeus, no, that Germanic German god. Uh, no, it would have been uh, Gungnir. They would have just called it Gungnir. Yeah. Spear from heaven. I mean, that is literally one of the weapons that Zaf had. Really? It's the EMP they used when Zizek was like, ah, oh, murdering these people isn't fun, was the Gungnir. Yay. Oh, of course. And in my defense, Zeus is in the new Thor movie. That's why I thought of him. Isn't he a dick in the more? Okay, <laughs> I, I was to say yeah, in the Marvel let me universe. Rephrase, rephrase that. Isn't he also a dick in the new Marvel movie? I, I don't. I don't know. I in seen... the Marvel universe, I guess. No, I. I don't think I've seen a lot of Marvel Zeus. I'm familiar with DC Zeus, who is sometimes Wonder Woman's dad. She is daughter of Hera. No, she's not. Da- she has that title. She is not literally the oh. daughter of Hera. She's the adopted daughter of Hera because she's Zeus's child. That doesn't mean that Zeus is not her father. No, because yeah, as no. we know. No, uh, being Hera's daughter, I would say, makes you the least likely to have... <laughs> makes you less likely to make Zeus your dad, not more. One of my favorite Saturday morning breakfast cereals is uh, some kids praying to Zeus to help make her dad happy. And he's like, look, I'm Zeus. Either I can hit it with lightning or I can turn it in, into an animal and have sex with it. Which does your dad need? And then the next panel is just like a sexy goose being like, so, I heard you like birds. <laughs> uh, Gundam Double O. That's still happening. They made it to space. Every Gundam series gets better when they get back to space, right? Yeah, they're having the Asteroid Held Hell episode, one of our favorite recurring Gundam tropes. Well, we're just waiting for them to get back to Sunrise Island, because we know that they have to return there. No, they already did. They, they paid their Sunrise tax. No, they have to go back. I just realized something terrifying, and I have the power to wield this. Okay. It occurs to me that Hotel Mulaflaga has the same number of syllables as Hotel California. <laughs> yes, so you could do that. <laughs> To be fair, every time I've tried to make you make a song for this podcast, it hasn't happened, so I'm not, I don't feel threatened. 
Uh, yeah, fair. Yeah. And you didn't even get to that episode of Cross And. No, I did not. Anything we want to say about this episode before we get into it? It's another slow one, which is interesting, right? Sumeragi's past and Ian's wife. This episode is weirdly funny. Like, (laughs) when I was trying to pick a clip to put at the end of this episode, I had so many choices. I feel like this episode is funny because they want to kind of uh, get out of the drama that we've been having the last couple of episodes. Like, that's what it kind of feels like, because we need a funny one because we've had too much drama. I was going to say, and yet no Colossar, but actually there was a really good Colossar scene. So. There are a couple of really good Colossar scenes, if I remember right. Also, I feel like nothing happens in this episode until the end. That isn't quite true, but I feel like the most important episodes are the last scene and the scene after the credits. Don't forget all this incredibly important backstory. We found out that Sumeragi knew Kati, which we already knew. And And we found out that Sumeragi graduated from college when she was only 17. And that that Billy was hitting on her while he was 22. (laughs) Yes, because that's not creepy. I wonder if Billy accidentally got Sumeragi into drinking when she was (laughs) underage. (laughs) No, I get the feeling that Sumeragi started drinking after the incident. So after she was legally able to drink. Yeah, after uh, her boyfriend, whose name I forgot. Emilio. Emilio. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Emilio. (laughs) (laughs) That she met on a soap opera. (laughs) Francisco. Oh, you guys have never seen Disquinos. You guys didn't take terrible high school Spanish. Nope. I did take terrible high school Spanish, but I never watched Destinos. Okay, that's fair. I took high school French and only passed year two because the teacher liked me. Not sure why, but... All right, so we're going to go watch episode 35 of Gundam 00, Light of Heaven. You can watch with us on Crunchyroll or... That's pretty much it now. We begin at college, everybody's favorite place. And you know that spot on the college campus where there's just a nice scenic park and nobody's there? Actually, yes. yes. <laughs> I think Metro had one of those. I do like that it opens up with Billy being like, I read your thesis, which implies I guess you're getting a master's degree in tactical <laughs> forecasting. <laughs> no, PhD. Oh, I'm sorry. A PhD in tactical forecasting. Is this a military college? It's it, hard to say, right? Well, like, we have three members here. And they all seem to be military-related in some way, so... That does seem to be a lot of what the modern economy is based on, though. Is this like West Point? I was going to ask, is this like 1984, where it's just three warring super states? Also, why is Cotty here if she's going into the advanced European military and they're going into the Union military? Because Union has better schools. Okay, so I've assumed all this time that Billy's just wearing a lab coat. Because in this flashback, he's wearing a lab coat. What if he just has a white sports jacket? <laughs> it's got to be long. But the thing is, it's a longer jacket than that. What if he gets he got a really long sports jacket from his great uncle and he just <laughs> always wears it? And his great uncle was a bigger guy than he was. That makes I sense. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so anyway, Sumeragi, I, I suppose Lisa Kujo, is writing her thesis for her master's in tactical forecasting at the age of 17. She looks so young. I think it's because of the hairstyle. It's weird. Yes. Whereas Billy's like, all right, that's cool. I'm going into academia with Professor Eifman because he's still alive in this flashback. But anyway, you're amazing and great and so pretty. And can I sniff your hair? (laughs) Graduating from a place like this at only 17. And she's like, but I'm not as good as Cotty. And Billy's like, who's, co- oh yeah, the famous genius tactician on campus. <laughs> How do they test that in school? I'm so- okay, well, to be fair. It's like Ender's Game. I was thinking it's like uh, the Star Trek reboots where Kirk is in school and they're like, oh yeah, you're a genius captain. See, when I first watched this, I assumed that Cotty was her instructor. 
and that she was a bit older, which I okay. don't think is what we're supposed to take. But that was my assumption the first time I watched From it. From this, it it kind of feels like Cotty is the same age as Billy. Yes, yeah. when she shows up here in a second. Which is why I said I don't think that, but the first time I watched it, that was the impression. Now, let I Billy tell us how great Cotty is. Okay, wait, really quick. What? So, Subaraki has a big old S on her shirt, I assume, but it's also cut off by part of the V-neck. What the hell is this shirt? She looks like she's in a cheerleading, not uniform, but like a cheerleading, like, Like, winter clothing. Like, Like, casual cheerleading outfit. Like, I, I feel like... Like when you're at high school, you if you're on a sports team, you get like different shirts for your sports team, right? Like it's not her uniform, but I feel like it is issued by the team. Yeah, because yeah, you just got this big S. the The sleeves are a weird color to me. Like they look like they're almost skin tone. Ah, they're the Union University Super Soldiers. That's what the <laughs> S stands for. Yes, the the Steve's Roger. <laughs> I was going to say she lettered in tactical forecasting, and it's a very big letter. <laughs> the S stands for superb. <laughs> the S stands for Shakespeare. The number of comics in which Batman and Superman travel back in time with their costumes on, and people are like, they're just actors. That's why they're wearing costumes. The S stands for Shakespeare. No, that's literally a line in one of them, <laughs> which is uh, one that circulated around the internet for a long time, but that happens so much. So Sumeragi's like, War can never be put to an end because humans are stupid, but I wanted to create tactics that limit the number of casualties to a minimum and end them as quickly as possible. Welcome to normal tactics. <laughs> and Billy's like, I'm going to get really lonely when you're gone. You're literally my only friend. And Subaragi's like, that's a little bit creepy. You're 22. <laughs> Coming from the dude who's 22. And he's like, y- you think so? Baka? Anyway, Kati Monikin strolls up in her pretty purple dress, much better than the one Luis was wearing a couple episodes ago. Yeah, it's not a bad dress. Cotty just looks really weird in it. And I, I think because we're so used to seeing her in military uniform. And like I said with on the last episode, with her hair down. Like, that looks... Honestly, to me, that looks weirder than the dress. Actually, you know what throws me is that Cotty and Shireen look very similar to me. And huh. I can kind of see it, but I don't really see it. I think it's the fact that they both have glasses. It's really <laughs> it. Do all of us who wear glasses look the same to you, Tyler? Okay, so fun story. At work the other day, we did a, like, for a team building exercise thing, we did a thing where we had to, like, draw people in very, like, with various restrictions, like, not looking at what you're drawing, drawing it all with one line and not lifting your pencil. My partner, in three out of four images, drew me wearing glasses. I was wearing glasses for zero of these exercises. And I'm like, I think we just created the world's lamest tulpa. We imagined glasses back onto my face. (laughs) Why were you not wearing glasses? Just because I wasn't. I don't actually really need my glasses that much. They're mostly for long-distance vision. Oh, I can't see crap if I'm not wearing my glasses. Everything just turns into a vague haze. Yeah, no, I I just have, like, old-person eyesight. I just started getting old-person eyesight kind of early, so... (laughs) So we cut to Sumeragi, who is brooding in zero G, but not drinking. So good for her. Well, maybe she already drank. We don't know. No, the thing is, when Sumeragi drinks, we know there'd be cans floating around. Yeah, they her. they love fair. to animate those zero G beer cans when Sumeragi has been drinking. And she is asking why Akati is with the A laws, and we know why she's with the A laws. It's because she needed to. She wanted to keep an eye on them with uh, Sergey. It's also literally the only way she could get a job tactical forecasting in the future. I mean, she could be in the regular forces like Sergei. Sergei needs a tactical forecaster. He's saying he wouldn't. I feel with the level of absurd leaps of logic they apply, she could actually get a pretty good job in like a business field. She should go into politics. Yeah. No, she's just really bad at the whole five-year plan thing. Like, she's really good in the next 
you know, five minutes, but five years, that's when you're getting into strategic and that's not a, that's not a forecasting thing. Now it's a guess. That's fair. I learned recently, multiple times recently, that they're making a Foundation TV show for some reason. Are you familiar with the book series The Foundation? No. So, okay, well, I didn't expect so, which is <laughs> why I'm asking. The main gist of it is that a guy gets so good at psychology when it gets applied to groups, but not individuals, that he basically plans out 500 years of human destiny, and he's like, sick to this plan, and assuming no genetic anomalies, you'll all be fine and not all die. Um, it was actually like humans had an empire and the empire was collapsing, and he's like, here's the plan to keep humanity alive after the empire collapses. I don't know. I just thought it was a really interesting premise. You said by they're making as if this wasn't a year old show that my dad watched for a while. Oh, is it already out? Yeah, I think it's on Apple TV Plus, which what? is why. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be why you didn't know. <laughs> because my dad, I was like, a foundation sounds familiar. And you were just explaining that reminded me of my dad trying to explain the TV show to me. I mean, he's got a 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's not Oh, just terrible. because my dad couldn't explain it doesn't mean it's a bad TV show. Yeah, no, it came out last year. I somehow just completely missed it. Anyway, this one guy who's a genetic anomaly gets born and it throws off the entire plan, but it's okay because it turns out there were robots the entire time because it's an Asimov story. So we get past the opening sequence and we cut to our favorite colonel, Smirnov. Is, is he still our favorite colonel or do we like Cotty more now? Hmm. No, I think I, I like Sergey more, but Cotty's I'm, doing more right now. He is best so. dad still. He is best dad. He's such a good dad, he only gave a brief talking to his daughter's new boyfriend. Were they he didn't on- even threaten to shoot him. <laughs> Sergey is in charge of the UN force on the border of the Middle Eastern country of I want to say Sweel. I Sweele? No, they say it consistently in the dub, and I'm like, commit this to Jer- memory, Jeremy. And I'm pretty sure it's Sweel, but now that I have to remember it, I can't. I, I have not. That watched sounds it about right. And so Sergey's like, they haven't done anything yet, but they're bound to later. And the guy he's talking to is like, as you know, they're going to do something. And Sergey is like, yes, I did just say that. And so the guy's like, so anyway, to prevent that, we're sending in the A-laws. And Sergey's like, oh, not the assholes. I hate those guys. They suck. Cut to a cleverly disguised tent cave. <laughs> and then uh, so we get a meeting on them discussing what they're going to do about this whole problem and Sweel. Them being Cateron. Yes. Mostly a bunch of Cateron dudes we've never seen before. And also that one guy that, man, I cannot remember Caddy Monikin's not boyfriend's name. Uh, I wanted to say it was Trevor, but that's definitely not it. Klaus. <laughs> Number Klaus. one, are you saying, are you thinking Sheeran? I am sharing a Sheeran. I did say Caddy. Yeah, see? I see, can... I'm not the only one. <laughs> there's Klaus, and there's also that guy Klaus met from the other cell of Cateron, as and also Sheeran. And I think this, there's a guy here that I think is the reporter from the first season. Yeah, I think so too. One of the reporters from the I first season. I thought he looked familiar. But now he's got a big afro. <laughs> yeah, well, his hair grew out. They don't have haircuts in the Middle East, in the government-controlled Middle East, where they're like, hey, Sweel has the biggest army in the Middle East, but they're still going to get raffle-stomped by the Federation because they don't have any GN drives. I was going to say, because it's literally their army against the rest of the world. That sounds like a fair fight. Bring it on. And also, they can't use their cool spy network because of all the GN particles in the air. So the guy who is in charge of this new cell is basically like, well, we need to talk to the king, and then maybe we can come up with a plan? I don't know. And Cotty's like, information networks. We have a reporter here, right? Are you doing that on purpose? What? He called it Cotty again. God damn, no, I didn't <laughs> do it on purpose that time, no. <laughs> you want to take it again? I'm sorry, Jabril's like. <laughs> <laughs> Sheeran is like. 
Shuren is like Cotty. <laughs> Maru is like... Maru is like, boing. So Sharon's like, yeah, we just have to show all the people all the terrible things the Federation is doing, and then public opinion will go on our favor. And so the leader is like, well, that seems like an okay plan, but we will need to talk to the king of Suil. Hey, reporter guy, can you do that? And he's like, well, I'll have to use my reporter contacts. But yeah, I guess I can. I think that's the same reporter from when Setsuna was like, I'm a martyr walk this. Then we cut to children, who Marina is watching from like... The brooding hallway Because outside. she is no longer required to be their babysitter, I guess. And Sharon comes up and Marina's like, hey, any news? And she's like, nope. Nothing since, you know, the government took over. But the only information coming out is that that is cleared by the by the Federation. And they have giant mobile suits all around the borders, I guess, stopping anyone from going in. So we couldn't. If we want to rebuild Zedistan, you have to fight. You have to be a warrior princess. You have to become Battle Princess Marina. <laughs> And Marina's like, yeah, no, I just gave a boy a real long speech about how fighting was no good, and I believed it in my heart, so I do not think that's me. Plus, if I reclaimed a set of stand by force, would that even mean anything? And Sharon is like, bitch, I'm gonna go fight. You should talk to some kids or something. I guess if you don't want to fight, you can just do nothing and feel bad about it. I have to fight, though, to get my country back. Anyway, you feel bad here while I go fight, I guess. <laughs> It's a metaphor, though. And so Marina's like, man, Setsuna, when your homeland got destroyed, that must have sucked, because boy, does this suck. I guess now I can understand how the boy that is running around feels. How do you fight when you feel this bad? Setsuna's like, I was very young and not that attached to my country. (laughs) Also, I killed killed my own parents. Also, Gundam. Yeah, I've got more problems than that, Marina. Like, loss of my nation is pretty far down on the list. So we cut to a mysterious space station where Cotty is being told that Celestial Being is probably going to Lagrange 3, and he is being left in charge of the Gundam pursuit because they need Rent to do some mustache twirling somewhere else. Cotty was getting orders from our friend Arturo Bueno Hombre. Yeah, good old Artie Dobarkoviak. <laughs> but Cotty only has eyes for Cujo, and by that I mean thoughts of. And she remembers that time Emilio died, and Sumeragi was sad about it. And she's like, oh, did her boyfriend dying make her so sad that she decided to join Celestial Being? What a fool. There's no such thing as no war. After she uh, got really, really drunk for a really long time. And she's like, I thought she shared my desire to not make war go long. I thought we could be friends. And then Patrick calls her skin like, hey, I brought your meal, Colonel. Nice and hot. Just how you like it. And she goes, don't you ever knock? And he does this like the funniest like. It's not like terrible animation, but it's much worse than Gundam Double normally does of throwing it over his shoulder. And there's also no sound effect to it when it really feels like there should be a splat. Don't get me wrong. I think that all makes it funnier, but it's very odd. I love Colossar. He's great. Then we get a shot of, I believe this is Revive Revival still. Yep. Revive just leaning on a hall wall, trying to summon up the will to brood or judge. And he's like, oh, I guess Bring is up next. How will you react, Celestial Being? Mostly by repairing their mobile suits. Yeah, we cut back to the Ptolemaeus where they are just doing some routine repairs. And Setsuna remembers that a Zedistan has burned down and is like, man, what am I doing in space when a Zedistan has burned down? Well, I mean, it's not like it's currently burning. Like, I it's mean, not it on, might it's not, still be. We don't know. Well, it's probably not on fire anymore. I just imagined in Ollie going back and like setting a random building on fire every couple of hours. <laughs> But then the E-sensors detect an enemy unit coming in, even this far out. And Mari's 
new type senses are like, that tracks. We got problems. I got a headache. Something dangerous is coming. And I, I can't help but think, like, you know, Sensaji is there being like, can you be a little more specific? <laughs> it is approaching at a rate of 78 kiloseconds. Um, I think that is kilometers per second. I don't know. Uh, it's the same way that the Millennium Falcon can do the Kessel Run in only 32 parsecs. You know the explanation for that? Yeah, I know. It's really dumb. It's, and if you listen to the... Well, the I like the explanation that I think is actually true, that Han Solo's full of shit yep. and trying to bullshit Obi-Wan, because clearly that's the way that the scene is written. Yeah, I mean, it may, that, that makes a lot more sense than people trying to explain it. And, oh, especially since he's trying to say, yeah, my ship is really fast, because I'm a good pilot. It's basically what that <laughs> explanation is. Yes. So the Arios and Cerevi are still being repaired from using the Trans Am? No, from fighting... Well, I mean, Cerevi yeah, lost one re- of its six arms. Yeah, Cerevi makes sense. The Arios to... I'm not sure what the Arios is being fixed from. Well, it overheated its gun by shooting it no, if it's so still much. Being, if it's still being repaired from the uh, when Mari took it down... Sure, but it sortied since then. Yes. But it might not have been entirely put back together yet. That, that's the only thing I could think of. It's it is a little weird. They're like, okay, lock on and sets in a, You go do the thing because that one else is allowed. Thierry is going to take up the console that Lichty used to sit at. I feel like we've seen him sit there before when he's not in the Cerevi. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like it's happened. I don't know that he's not been in the Cerevi in combat before. You might be right. So sets in a launches and oh no, it's another new model equipped with a pseudo solar reactor and some really fast boots. I mean, I kind of like the boots as a deep space travel thing. The rocket boots, because it it detaches them immediately before combat. Rocket boot. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it's fast and able to dodge all of Setsuna's shots. And it also has a GN field. Which which is something that they apparently didn't have before. Well, the Federation's never produced a suit like that, except for the one that rich asshole who was the villain at the end of the last season. That's a name I can't think of. Alejandro Corner? Yes. Yeah, thank I was going to say, did you know that his mobile suit actually has its own name? The Alva. Oh, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, no, I, I forget what it is now, but I looked it up when I was adding it to the list. So. I see. So Setson is getting his ass kicked, and he this thing has his shield. Yeah, well, because as soon as the double lot sorted with the shield, I'm like, he's going to lose that. Setson hates shields, or he just gets a bonus after his has been destroyed. Setson tries to block an attack with his sword, but this thing has beam claws on all five of its fingers, and they fuse into a saber so powerful it cuts right through his GN sword get rifle. And Setson's like, if only I could use the Transam. And then Lockon's like, hey, I'm in this fight too. We also, uh, we well, saw the pilot's face briefly, right? Yes, we did. I did not recognize That's that Bring. Okay. Yeah, it's Bring. What's his last name? Surely we know it's Bring's name. And on? <laughs> <laughs> So before Bring It On can defeat Setsuna, Lock-On remembers that he's in this fight, and the Ptolemaeus remembers it has guns, and they manage to shoot enough fire to make Bring back off, even though they can't hit him because he's so maneuverable. And then he's like, okay, I'm leaving now. The action scene for this episode is over. And Lasse calls it as like, wow, that was like a random encounter. That was like three goblins in space, like a space jammer. She's either bringing that back. Yep. Also, <laughs> it's spell jammer. No, uh, well, Space Chamber is when you combine it with uh, Michael Jordan. There we go. I got there officially. <laughs> I'm like Michael Armstrong. That's all. I it. was wondering how long you'd take to get there and if you would. Michael Jordan, the world's best baseball player. Yep. 
Well, you, you know, to prepare for his role in Space Jam, he played basketball professionally <laughs> for several years and even <laughs> won a couple of championships. That's how committed he was to the role. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> LeBron did the same many years later. <laughs> Bill Murray also did. <laughs> Is that the worst movie Bill Murray's ever been in? I feel Maybe. like there are some serious contenders for worst oh, sh- Bill Murray films. Certainly. But... So Lassie's like, anyway, Mom, why the hell did we have that random encounter? And she's like, the ALOS are trying to show us that they can reach us even out here. Alternatively, I don't know. Why did Cotty send me a weird message? The ALOS are just weird. And Lost is like, we've got to get all our new play sets and toys before it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> I really want a, a rewrite of this scene where it's the cheat commandos. <laughs> <laughs> then we get uh, some Tiaria being like, wow, should I tell them about, be- about the whole innovator thing? That was definitely an innovator in that new mobile suit. And they're like, Earth to Tiaria, something going on? And he's like, nothing, nothing's wrong. Why am I not telling them, though? That's weird. I should talk to Setsuna about this. We what? then cut to Major Rent talking to Arturo Bueno Hombre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Bart. Arturus Bonum V, I'm pretty sure. Commander of the Imperial Legion. Who's like, yeah, things are going great here. We're going to be able to do lots of murders. And he's like, good. I will be on my way there to take direct control. I want, I want to be in direct control of these upcoming murders. It's my favorite thing. I am a Marturo. I have control. <laughs> and then he's like, there'll be no one to stop us this time. You're all about to have a taste of heaven's thunder. The judgment of God. And then we don't get an eye catch. I was listening to the playback right before this and realized I said he pulled an Arturo when I meant to say he pulled an Alleluia. He has control. Hello and welcome to episode 10? 10, I think, of season 2 of Gundam Double O. There are so many numbers in that. I just got back from a weekend lawn relay race up in the mountains, which was super cool. I'm super energized. It was great. It's incredibly summer out. The downside is, uh, I'm still recuperating, so this is gonna be a bit rambly. Because that's just how the Tyler Fish do. Yeah! I don't know that I have a whole lot to talk about. Uh, we posted our bonus episode on the Patreon for this month, which is inspired by a bit Jeremy heard, where we ask him everything he wrote down that he knows about Gundam. He just spent a couple hours brainstorming every single, like, concept he knows about Gundam, and Zack and I quiz him on stuff and make fun of the things that he didn't think of. I think it's fun to listen to, but I might be a little bit biased. But also, I had a lot of fun recording it, so... Hey, if you're a patron, go give it a listen. Although I don't know why you'd be listening to this, because you also get all of our episodes without me rambling at you over on the Patreon, and also early. But also, also, if you don't feel like or just can't afford to give us money, that is perfectly fine. But we would very much appreciate it if you left us a message on our Discord or send us an email, because we love hearing from you guys. It honestly makes my day, and I know Jeremy and Zach appreciate it too. I guess also Kevin. I'm speaking for him now. Anywho, I'm going to go dive into a recuperation beer. Bye. Cut back to some suspicious asteroids. I'm pretty sure these have, like, projectors to cloak, and so people wouldn't see the suspicious stuff. I'm pretty sure that's what they are. I don't know. But it's a secret celestial being base at Lagrange 3 in a secret asteroid. And the Ptolemaeus lands secretly. On its secret lasers. 
I'm just imagining one of those, like, just going all the way out to Earth, and someone be like, where does this laser keep coming from? It's just, like, out in somebody's yard. Okay, so, I might be the only one, but when they announced that the anchor arms are attaching, I just immediately changed them over from the, like, tech we have here to that Spongebob episode where he gets the fake muscle arms, because they're called anchor <laughs> arms. Um, I was looking two Popeye arms popping out, because he's got the anchor tattoo. Well, that's kind of what the, the Spongebob anchor yep. arms are. So the crew of the Ptolemaeus takes the elevator to this pristine giant hallway, which looks so empty with only three people to greet them. Ian, Linda, and then in the back, someone with purple hair, who just looks like she doesn't want to be there today. And Melinda's like, Mom! Establishing that Linda is her mom. And then all of Celestial Being gives Ian shit for <laughs> being married to this lady who, like, does not look that much younger than Ian. I they're don't just think trying she to is. score po- they're, they're just trying to score points with Linda. I guess. I mean, Melaine is 14, right? So she's got to be in her 30s minimum? You would think, yeah. Oh, wait, this is anime. Oh, no. Why have I set myself up for this? Don't worry. I'm finding out right now. How old is she? 34. So she was 20 when... D- wait, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. But like, that's Ian, not that bad. Ian seems 36 at most to me. Like, I guess he could be 40. And that's a little weird, but it's not a huge age gap. Oh, boy. He's 47, apparently. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I guess. How is he not dead? He's in an anime. Oh, I'm sorry. Season two. I was looking at double OP. Oh, I can tell you about that, but I'd have to kill you. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Which apparently happens five years before the beginning of Gundam 00. So in Gundam 00 season two, he is 57. What? (laughs) How does he not have gray hairs? He kind of does. Maybe Melanus is adopted daughter, or I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't know. That would have put him at forty-three while she was twenty. I mean, that's workable. It's that weird. is workable. Yeah, it, it is weird. It is mostly. a very strange thing. That's like Nicholas Cage's fifth wife. Weird, but <laughs> I guess it does. Then it does make their confusion around his age make a little bit of sense. So anyway, Ian's almost sixty, is what we just learned. <laughs> And Alleluia responded, there ought to be a law. And my immediate thought was, there probably is. But we're in space. No laws apply out here. Saji's also like, she's so young, but she's older than Louise. So maybe people just can't tell how old blonde people are in this future. (laughs) I think in Saji's case, it might be in comparison to Ian. Sure. So Umaragi's like, how long will it take you to resupply and repair the Ptolemaeus and the Gundams? And Ian's like, I don't know. Depends on how fucked up you got them. How badly did you break them? And Ian's like, even though I think our camouflage out here is perfect, uh, I guess we can work on it. I understand. It makes sense. And then Anu raises her hand, and she's like, excuse me, it will require at least five days, depending on how fucked it up It says so right here in the Celestial Being Handbook. And Setsuna's, who are you? I've never, like, he, Ian was just like, none of you have ever met my wife before. But Setsuna's like, who are you? I've never seen you before. <laughs> well, I, that kind of implies... That Setsuna has met her before. <laughs> or Setsuna read about her in, like, a Veda profile or something. She asked Milena. Yeah, or that. <laughs> and she's like, pleased to meet you. Let's slowly pan up my body. I'm a new returner, and I was scouted by Celestial Being when it resumed its operations. And they're like, who scouted you? Because Veda's stolen. Thierry is like, who the fuck scouted you? And Ian's like, Wong Mume scouted her. We know we can trust her, and she's the most trustworthy. 
Plus, Anu is fucking great. She slices. She dices. She's got voice control. <laughs> Julianne's fries. I was gonna say, I'm just imagining Ian like slapping her like a slap shot. Yeah, she can hold si- uh, six gigabytes of songs. <laughs> I'm so depressed that they're getting rid of the iPod. Also, she's good at astrophysics, mobile suit engineering, and regeneration treatment. She's way better than Dr. Moreno. You will be able to remember she exists because look how hot she is. Because <laughs> I am a total creep. He was fine in the first season, but now that it, like he's doing this literally in front of his wife and child. And her. <laughs> and she's like, I should have signed the sexual harassment form. And Tiara is like, don't worry, I'm HR. i will have an awkward chat with him uh so we cut to the middle east where people are riding motorcycles to deliver pieces of paper and like sweel has agreed to meet with us and then so this dude that we just met is like this sounds like an awful uh, likely trap klaus i'll go see this so that you guys will both survive to the next episode i am the guy in charge here so if i die you'll be in charge again klaus it seems good for all of us Cut to catatonic Marina, just sitting on a couch watching children play. Well, I mean, it's not like she has any other duties. Or one of the kids comes up and is like, hey, is it true Sweel's going to be attacked? And Marina's like, why the fuck are you asking me? And the actual babysitter is like, I'm sorry, this boy's from Sweel, so he's just worried about, you know, everyone he ever knew dying. <laughs> and he sits on the therapy couch and is like, man, people should try to get along, don't you think? And Marina's like, yeah, I get you. But this dude I know keeps trying to murder everyone because he doesn't like them. Anywho, what do you think we should do, Random Child? And Random Child's like, I think they should eat together. And she's like, actually, you know what? That's not a bad idea. Until you cook the wrong thing. Like, vegan food. So the kid's like, yeah, we should eat together. And then everyone can play together and sing songs and show each other our favorite things. Mine is this couch. I think you're too young for many people's favorite things, child. (laughs) I think he's talking about show and tell. I don't know. So we cut to the O-Riser, available in model shops now. So, Tyler, do you remember what I said previously on a different episode that might have been cut so people might not have context for this? Wow, that was so incredibly specific, Zach. Yes, I know exactly Previously, what you're I about. referred to <laughs> the double-lot as the double O-Riser. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and Jeremy said, I know why he called it that, but he's wrong right now. Yes. So they're... Like, hey, look at our cool new toys. That's the O-Riser. It has cool functions that'll make, help the double O do twin drive stuff better. And, and it apparently amplifies the Trans Am. I like how we had a shot of a bunch of people arranged in height order there. <laughs> and then Lock-On just like leaning on the wall. It's like, so what about the red one? Like, oh, that's the Gun Archer. And they're like, you forgot the U in there. That's the Gun Archer. <laughs> it's like, are you sure it's not the GN Archer? Because we have GN Particles. That's the Gun Archer. Okay. I'm going to call it the GN Archer because fuck you. Yeah, you hate calling mobile suits by their real name, but you'll give us plenty of shit for if we call Cody Monikin the wrong name one time. I call them all by their proper name. It literally says GN Archer. He is right. And it's probably on the listing under there as GN Archer. So anyway, you got the O-Riser and the Jabril. <laughs> <laughs> so Ian's like, we have to do testing right away, Setsuna. Screw the GN Archer. It just helps the Kyrios, and no one cares about that. But apparently, Marie uh, and uh, Saji aren't allowed in the control room for any of this stuff, so they're just kind of hanging out in, like, the break room. I actually really like the scene between Saji and Marie as the two people who are on Celestial Being while not being on Celestial Being. Well, they're being. on Celestial Being's ship, but they're not actually members of Celestial Being. 
as illustrated by the fact that they're not wearing the uniform. So Marie comes up, he's like, hey, something the matter? And I really like the animation on her hair. As she like kind of is like, oh, my hair in zero G is kind of a problem. It's actually a nice touch. And so she's like, I don't know, man. I did something and a whole bunch of people died because of it. It sucked. And I know I have to do something to make up for it. And Marie's like, I murdered people. <laughs> but I don't want to murder people. And Marie's like, it's easier than you think. Marie's actually like, oh, it's only natural that you wouldn't want to murder people. And, and Saji's like, but I have to do something. But I, I just keep thinking, you can't do anything without murdering a few people. Well, I mean, you can stick around and you can just fix up the Gundams. They keep getting broken on you're, a fairly regular basis. You're not actively murdering any people that way. You're just aiding and abetting murdering people. You can't break a few omelets without breaking a few lives. Anyway, what are you going to do, Marie? Are you like going to hang out with them? And she's like, well, the boy I like is pretty committed to this cause, so... I'm going to stick around until he leaves, so yeah. And he's like, even if that means killing people? And she's like, oh, I've killed people before. So I made my peace with that. Has she, though? I mean, she's Soma Pierce, according to her. Yes. And according to her, she killed Hallelujah. And also a bunch of other people. Evidently, that didn't stick. Well, no, she killed Hallelujah, not Hallelujah. Come on. So Saji's like, oh, man, I'm so jealous. I have a cool girl I want to be by the side of all the time, but she won't answer my phone calls or letters. Anyway, we cut to Luis just having a bad time. She is apparently having one of her episodes. I don't know why this is in here. And I think part of that reaction is just, this just reminds me of having really bad allergic reactions or otherwise having huge health problems. It feels very intense and it's dramatic irony, but I don't know why we need to see Louise having an episode here when that's literally all we see of her. Yep. We then cut to Cotty looking at the cool new mobile suits because Bring has brought his mobile suit here to be based. <laughs> and Patrick Collisar is whack-a-moling in the background being like, Colonel, I want a new model. <laughs> He's acting like a child, like a four-year-old. I want a new one. And Cotty's like, God damn it. Why is everybody always asking me for new mobile suits? I am not the new mobile suits fairy. Really quick. I just looked up Bring's last name. Do you guys want to take a guess before I reveal how dumb it is? No, please go for it. I think we've seen it before. It is Bring's Stabity. <laughs> <laughs> it can't. You're messing with me. It is seriously Bring's Stabity. I think it's supposed to be pronounced like Stabity or something because it's only got one B, but it is, it's spelled Bring's Stabity. Yes. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> and so Cotty snaps at Colossar, and I get the feeling that she has never actually actively snapped at him before. I feel like she must have all the time, and that Patrick just always reacts like a stunned puppy when it happens. <laughs> like a kicked puppy. So we cut to the hallway where Revive is just chilling, and Bring walks through, and he's like, never expected you to show up, Bring. And Bring's like, I don't have a voice actor yet. Then he's like, we're using the Memento Mori. That roughly translates to Death Note. <laughs> so Revive is like, ah, I'm the Revival. I'm like the anti-Death Note. And Ribbons is finally getting serious. Cut to Regina also being like, hmm, Ribbons is getting serious. And Ribbons is like, once we use our giant death laser, <laughs> the will of humanity will be united. And Regina responds with, uh, by unite you mean standardize? Like we're going to be popping them out of a factory? More like, we're just going to murder everyone who does not unite with us? And Ribbon's like, no, I mean unite at our feet, like good boys. I want nothing but Patrick Colossars. Anyway, thanks, Wang Lume, for helping us build our giant death laser. And she's like, oh, it was my pleasure. I hope you I've... use it to create a great new world. Yes, because the, the world born out of death lasers is going to be a good one. Uh, then we cut to Naina Trinity doing some quantum brainwave hacking. 
She's got them innovator eyes. And then Ali Alsaches just walks in like it's the break room. Or like, this is like the, mer- the, the help room. And the rich people are upstairs and they sent their mercenaries <laughs> down here. She's like, so what you doing? Yo. And she's like, you, you murdered my entire family and have ruined my life. And, and Ollie is like, uh, who are you again? I like You the- killed all of my family. You know how little that narrows it down? I actually do like that Ollie's like, oh yeah, you're that girl who I murdered all the family of. So he does I- remember everyone. It just always takes a minute. Because it was like, <laughs> God, you looked familiar. Anyway, you're hot now. That's cool. He does kind of have that. So she tries to draw a gun on him, and he prevents her from doing so. He rolled higher on initiative. Counter gun at her throat and is like, all right, well, I mean, I'm not being paid to kill you right now, so I'm not going to. I kind of think maybe he is. We'll get to that in a minute in the next scene. But he's like, hey, why throw your life away now? I let you live last time. I must have had a good reason then, so I'll let you live now. Well, the last time, the reason why he let her live was because... A wild Setsuna appeared. A wild Setsuna appeared and jumped him. We cut to the double O, speaking of Setsuna, up, being docked with the O-Riser. And we get a whole bunch of people typing and doing technobabble. Well, it, it's the Vashti family and a new returner. The family bonding activity. And they're like, all right, Setsuna, activate the Trans Am and we're going to see what happens. Then we cut to the Palace of Sweel, being guarded by some cool acts. And the king is like, ah, guy who we just met. Yes, I agree with your plan. Unfortunately, we're about to be disintegrated by a space laser, so we should probably wrap this up soon. Cut to a space laser, just opening the hatch to point the giant death laser right at the Middle East. They are switching on to strafing mode. That sounds fine. And this is where our good buddy Arturo Bueno Hombre is setting up in order to give perfect commands. Darth Badhair. He's also invo- he's also brought Moff Tarkin, I mean Major Rent, to help him. And he's like, you may fire when ready. And Rent's like, oh yeah, we're ready now, do it. I do like this kind of like interspliced countdown scene, though. Yeah, I really so like- activating the Trans Am and firing this thing? Yep. I really like the way they're paralleled, and I like it even more knowing some of the stuff from later on in the series. But I do really like that, like, we're both about to test our ultimate weapon, a death laser slash this cool jet we're sticking on the back of a gun. <laughs> well, it's it's raising the stakes on one side and showing that a celestial being is getting more powerful on the other side. Yeah, I really like it, like I said. We cut to Ribbon's Bond room, where Ali Sanchez comes in and is like, Hey, I looked around like you ordered, boss, but I didn't see anyone matching that description. Which I think Ribbon sent him to go kill Nana, and he was like, nah. Or to chase somebody, chase Nana out of the uh, like server room down there, but described her as she was when he ran into her originally. No, I think Sanchez is, is like, it'd be funny if I didn't. And Ribbons trusts me. And she's hot. And so Ribbons like, mm, sorry I wasted your time then. And he's like, you're my client, boss. You're free to use me as you please. And Ribbons is like, well, to make up for it, do you want to watch a giant death laser do a genocide? And Ali Al-Sanchez is like, boy, do I. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually feel like Sanchez wouldn't actually want a death laser because a death laser... It takes laser... all the fun out of war. Exactly. It takes all the fun out of a war. Cut to a new... Doing the countdown of the double O, interspliced, as we said earlier, with the countdown of the Memento Mori. And we see everybody reacting to their various countdowns before the giant death laser destroys Sweel. At the very least, destroys the uh, palace in Sweel. And Sergei is like, hey, what's going on? That looks like a death laser. What the hell is a death laser doing here? 
And that's the end of the episode. It's actually a really good cliffhanger to end the episode on. But then, of course, we have the after credits scene, which I actually kind of like in this one. I do, too. It just is weird that it's not actually part of the episode because it feels like it should be, doesn't it? It's by far the best after credits scene I think we've gotten in the series so far. Also, going back to the trend that if you do not watch it after the credits, you don't see this scene. And I feel like it has a lot of implications for stuff going forward. Yeah, the scene seems pretty important. Of course, I know some of the things going forward, so there's that. So, the after credit scene takes place at, I was going to say entirely, but that's not true. Back on the celestial being it's asteroid. majority just going into, like, counting down from five to activating the Trans Am, and then Setsuna hits the button. So the double O starts doing a Trans Am, and we get some techno babble about, oh man, this is some real good Trans Am, guys. It's reaching the theoretical Trans Am limit. And then surpassing it. And Setsuna's cockpit starts glowing. And he's like, huh, this is weird. Is this what becoming God is like? Am I Gundam now? <laughs> oh man, am I going to reach too far in the in the plug depth? Am I going to disappear as a person? I think I'd be into that. <laughs> and Ian's like, oh, this must have been Aeolia's plan. So we see the GN particles just kind of shooting out all throughout the base. And then we cut to Marie, who's like, oh no, Colonel, Colonel, get out of there. There's a giant death laser, Colonel. And then Alleluia's head starts giving him trouble. Yep. And Terrier got caught in the shower, <laughs> which I do really like, actually. Then we cut back to Sergei watching a giant death laser being like, not a fan of this, actually. And then we see the giant death laser starting to move towards him, kicking up a ton of dust. It's not that the laser is moving towards him. It it looks like it's static. It's just the uh, shockwave from the laser hitting. It's a little bit ambiguous, I think, because when we cut away, the dust cloud that's getting kicked up is reflecting the light in a way that implies that the light's getting closer. Yeah, and but it's strafing mode. And it's also strafing mode, that's right. And Marie's reaction right here seems to imply that. And she's like, please run away, Colonel. And Saji is like, oh, man. What Good the? thing I didn't have those drugs. What the <laughs> fuck is she on right now? And then Alleluia, this isn't Alleluia's voice anymore. Hallelujah yeah. goes, guess it's about time I woke up. Okay, so, I thought this was a different person entirely. Oh, no, this is Alleluia, Hallelujah okay. again. Yeah, it's clear in the voice acting that's Hallelujah. Being like, ah, time for me to get up to some shenanigans. And that's the end of the episode. I think it's a pretty good one. Like I said, genuinely very funny when it wants to be. And also pretty tense, even if not a lot happens. And again, the fight seems seems pretty pointless. Of like, ah, buy this new playset and toy, bye! It really <laughs> does feel like a random encounter. Like, we needed something to happen on the way to Lagrange 3, so here you go. New playset and or toy. I kind of feel like it might have been a thing where in the story like outline, they have these three episodes that were all really action light, and so they just felt a need to throw a bunch of fights in them. Or it might have been literally the need to sell toys. That is what drives Gundam. I really like that uh, the leader of Cateron brings an escort because they're like, you should bring an escort. It'll be dangerous. And it's like, oh, bring an escort. And they all died. Well, they weren't wrong. It was dangerous. It, but not for the reasons they thought. Do you have a high point, Tyler? I'm trying to think. I think it's actually going to be the uh, quick chat between Saji and Marie for me. I think is pretty good. It's really good. I will agree with you there. It was contender for me. I think Zach will take my other contender. Zach? You know what? No, I think I'm just going to go with the... Crew of the Ptolemaeus giving Ian shit. That whole scene is pretty funny, That, that whole scene is a lot of fun. Mine is the entire after credit scene. I think it's by far the best scene in the episode. It's genuinely tense, and it like starts some new stuff, right? Both before the credits and the after credit scene end on pretty interesting uh, 
cliffhangers there. Do you have a low point, Tyler? Um, it might be just how ridiculously mustache twirling the A laws are. Like, yes, we're evil. We're doing a genocide. Like, do you guys not realize you're the baddies? Are you just okay being the baddies? I don't know. Zach, the random encounter. Yeah, that's pretty bad, but mine is going to be Ian Vashti introducing a new returner like she's on the shopping network. And, he, <laughs> and for just nine low payments of ninety nine ninety nine, you too can have a new returner. Yeah, that's not great. No refunds. <laughs> Do you have an MVP, Tyler? This episode's a little bit more difficult, isn't it? Yeah, I'm trying to think who did like the most heavy lifting for the episode. Hmm, I wanted it to be Sumeragi early on, but she doesn't really do a whole lot outside of that intro to the credits. It's thing. not focused on any one character, right? Yeah. It might be Sheeran. She's getting shit done. She does yell at Marina that one time. Zach? Marie for her conversation with Saji in that uh, in the empty room. I was also thinking Marie for that conversation, but I'm also kind of torn on it and i don't know exactly where i want to go i think i will also give it to marie yeah there's not a, a super obvious one in this episode but between the conversation with saji and be like colonel run for it i think it's marie yeah that's fair anything else we want to say about this episode do you have any thoughts on where double is going at this point tyler i have no god i think setsuna just became a gundam all <laughs> um. <laughs> uh shinji from evangelion yep he has merged um I, I was going to make a second impact joke, but I don't know where the hell I was going with it. So He's the fourth child. Yeah, I like the episode. Like I said, I really like the after credit scene. And that scene is one of the few I think gets better after you've watched the entire series once. But it's good on a first watch, too. Yeah, no, I, I think it's pretty good overall. Yeah, it's a little bit slow in this chain of slow episodes. And that, that one random stakes, encounter though. is weird. But yeah, it raises the stakes. They They now have a super weapon. And the Celestial Being has upgraded the double lot. So and no Mr. Bushido. <laughs> and no Mr. Bushido. Yeah, and look, any episode without a Mr. Bushido gets a plus one to no Mr. Bushido. <laughs> Anything else we want to say on this one? I think I'm good. It's a Gundam will return in Double O's voice. simply amazing. She's an expert in astrophysics, mobile suit engineering, and regeneration treatments. She can navigate and cook, and to top it off, she's gorgeous! What do you think? Is she a keeper or what? <laughs>